And welcome to another exceptional episode of Retrovaniacs, the only podcast that this week chose to talk about Bayou Billy that I'm going to listen to. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, here with Jeremy Gregory. Oh, I, I hate you so much. Thank you. And Billy Holiday. You screwed us, JP. You screwed us. I, I mean, I think, to be fair, every week, whichever the two of us are that didn't pick the game, say the same thing. But I think this week, uh, we kind of all knew ahead of time that I was... I was setting us up for uh, two weeks of misery to prepare for this episode, but I think that means it'll be a quality episode. But other than forcing ourselves to play The Adventures of Bayou Billy, what have you been playing since last time, Billy? Well, I, uh, I, had, I think I had mentioned the last time I had picked up uh, that Sleeping Dogs, which I, I kind of just, I played a little bit and enjoyed it uh, about a year or two ago. I really got deep into it this time. I played it all the way through. I'm going back to... You know, try to finish up a lot of the side quest on there. I played the the DLC that came out for it, which uh, both pieces were actually pretty good. Also, uh, I did that, and I just I got way into Mario Maker again. I had sat it down uh, for the better part of a few weeks, and I got it back because I have a level that I posted up there every now and then. I like to check and see if there are any notifications about it. Uh, and I saw that there were all these challenge courses that had been added, and the, the allure of winning uh, alternate costumes. Uh, there are the um, I, We may have explained this in the Mario Maker episode, but there are uh, costumes, and they uh, you get them just like any other power-up by just hitting one of the coin blocks, and they turn you into different things, whether it's uh, Waluigi... Uh, Cat Peach, Mario in a car. There, there are all kinds of things, and not just in the Mario world. And when I saw that you could win these things, uh, I dedicated the better part uh, of an hour or two trying to get through there, picking all those up. And, and now I'm just kind of going back around and seeing that they've done a, a much better job lately uh, as far as finding finding uh, better courses and not just the you know don't move to win variety. Yeah, those challenge courses are really great because they're brand new characters. You know, the other the other courses when you play the 100 Mario Challenge uh, or use your Amiibos, but uh, most people won't have 100 Amiibos. So you do the challenge courses and you win random Amiibos or uh, random skins for your Mario, but you can only earn certain ones by playing the intermediate and certain ones by playing the hard. I still haven't cleared one of the hard rounds, the 100 Mario hard rounds. Yeah. Um, but for these challenge levels, it's just one level that's that's actually designed by Nintendo or someone that they give a permission to, to build a specific level for whatever the um, promotion is and then you get a, a specific Mario you can only earn that way you can't earn it any other way and generally especially after spending so many so many nights plowing through 100 of Mario's to, to beat five hard levels uh, all these levels are not that bad they're not easy but they're not that hard you should be able to get through them in, in a couple tries maybe a hand, handful of tries but uh, I'm glad they're there I mean I check once a week to see if they add new challenge levels because it's it's just something else I'm, I'm glad they're supporting it now, have you guys uh, been buying the Amiibos to to get your characters in the game, or is this just something that you've um, you've kind of accepted that you don't want to buy Amiibos for? I, I haven't played it yet myself, so I, I was always kind of interested in the fact that you could buy an Amiibo and it would go into the game. I don't think it's a it's a reason to buy Amiibos. I mean, if you already have Amiibos, it's it's a bonus. Um, I mean, really, the only game that that kind of uses Amiibos for anything other than you know skins or uh, Mario Kart 
um, me outfits is is Smash Brothers, and that even is not that important. So there's nothing yet, although I haven't played the Animal Crossing game, but there's nothing yet that uses Amiibos that, that really needs an Amiibo for. It's just if you want to collect a Mario statue, at least you have something to do with it. Yeah, and I'm not sure uh, the ones you unlock on there with the Amiibos, I'd, can you unlock those just randomly playing through anyhow or are they exclusive you have to have the amiibo to pick those up no all of them are unlockable in the game by beating intermediate or hard levels so there's nothing that that i'm aware of at least there's none that that require an amiibo i think the only thing that requires an amiibo is if you have the mario classic 30th anniversary mario um, which i do that gives you the the mushroom that makes mario super big um and it's only usable when you play the original Mario skin. And I mean, it's not that useful, but it's kind of a nice bonus. I don't know if I know it's in the game. There are levels that Nintendo makes where you get that, but I don't know if you can do it yourself without that amiibo. Now, if you actually unlock those new characters, you can only use those in like the eight bit Mario stages, right? You can't use those in the newer ones, right? Only eight bit Mario. Um, and you can pick. You can either do a randomizer, which will give the player any skin they've unlocked. It'll just automatically make them. You know anything they've they've gotten at random, or you can pick a specific one uh, that you want people to to turn into. Which is well, the first thing I did once I earned uh, Orlamar from Pikmin, and I made a bunch of Pikmin themed levels for no good reason except that I love Pikmin. So it, it's I mean it's a nice bonus, but uh, it definitely you know they've added enough things to it that definitely keeps me playing. Um, but when I wasn't playing, you know the wonderful Bayou Billy this week. I, uh, I jumped back on my Vita, and I started playing. I only own four actual boxed games for it, and one of them I had never played until this week, uh, other than just to make sure it worked, which was Sly Cooper, Thieves in Time. Uh, I really like that series. It's very simple. It's not a hard 3D action platformer compared to uh, most others. I'd say it's easier than Ratchet and & Clank, and it's easier than Jack & Daxter or any of the other Sony 3D platformers. But uh, just how it looks, it looks like you know that cell-shaded um, cell look. And the fact that it's a collectathon, I don't know, it's just kind of a nice casual thing to, to waste some time on. So I started playing that again. Uh, I've always been a fan of that series, and, and I think it's a pretty solid version of that game. I always wanted to play that. Um, I, I, I really haven't, but I was always, I, I kind of stay away from games that require stealth. And I know that's kind of like a, a very, uh, you know, it's not a serious stealth game at all. But, you know, is, are the stealth sections, are they just fairly easy to walk through? It's it's not hard. I mean, the, so far I'm not all the way through it yet. I'm I'm probably twenty five thirty percent through it. But the stealth sections, I mean, it's it's not like Metal Gear where if you're found immediately the level ends or you get swamped with a million enemies. A lot of the stealth areas, you know, it either makes you it just you know the guy sees you and it restarts that section for you really quickly. Uh, and it, there's a lot of checkpoints, so you don't lose a lot of time when you do that. Or if it's just trying to not be seen. You know, once you're seen, you run far enough away and they kind of forget that they're looking for you or they can't see you and they go back on their normal uh, patrol path. So the stealth in it is not, it's not involved. It's not a stealth game. I mean, it, it's an action game where there is some stealth to it. Okay. All right. So, so what's there is fairly forgiving anyway. Yeah. Like I said, it's not hard at all. I mean, there's nothing so far that I've had any real challenge with, but I didn't expect I would uh, for that kind of game. But it's just, it's just a nice casual uh you know, 3D action platform, and because of the the eddies you're going through different time periods, you know, I'm not getting bored with the scenery either. I've already gone through Japan, and now I'm in the the Wild West, and I'm sure there will be plenty of other places to to hop into. Uh, so, what have you been playing, Jeremy? Well, it's it's like the the beginning of the new year, and nothing's really coming out. I, I kind of beat all the games that I was really wanting to play last year, uh, kind of culminating with with Fallout Four. So I was kind of dipping in, into my backlog to see what I've got that I haven't played that I've been really wanting to play. And 
I totally forgot that I bought South Park The Stick of Truth oh. uh, for the Xbox 360, and that is now backwards compatible on the Xbox One. So I never got to play that. I always heard really good things about it. And um, last Sunday, I, I kind of sat down with it. And uh, my only other experience with a South Park game is the one that is uh, often mentioned on here, which is South Park 64, <laughs> which is an absolute travesty of a game. But uh, this one for uh, an RPG, which is what it is, it's actually really well done. It's made by um, Obsidian. And those guys know how to make an RPG, and it really shows with this one. I mean, nothing is is super in depth or anything. It's it's kind of very much of my first RPG, but there's it, it's got some nice depth to it, along with all of the South Park humor, and it goes a long way that it looks just exactly like an episode of South Park. The entire time you're playing it, it just it looks like you're playing an episode of South Park, and it's really funny, uh, which was one of my favorite things about it. It's it's very hard to find a funny game anymore. And this one is actually pretty hilarious. So that's that's what I've been spending most of my time with. Did, you, did either of you play that? I have a copy. I bought it. Target had them down to clearance. Uh, the, the Target bought my house for something like $8. So I grabbed a copy. But because it's South Park and because I have two small children on my house, I have to find a time to play it when they're not awake or around. Because uh, while I'm not necessarily concerned uh, about the adult level of the show, I still don't need them to repeat things to my wife. So I have not played it yet, but I will get a chance at some point. And you can add me to the list of people who who own it yet have not played it. I had picked it up. I think I got it uh, for about 20 or so, uh, and I was, I was fixing to play it, but then we ended up moving. So it got packed up, uh, and it did not get packed up with the other games and whatnot. So uh, uh, it's here. It's somewhere. I'm not sure where, but I am looking forward to playing it once I do find it. It's really well done. I, I think it's it's more than worth playing. And, and it's not like it's a long game at all. It is an RPG, but it doesn't seem like it's going to last more than about 10, maybe 15 hours. And it's it's very straightforward. There's a few side quests here and there. Um, but overall, it, it's very, um, you know, you, you have a, a certain thing you need to do. You're going to go do that, and the story continues. So there's not much room for wandering around, and I really appreciate that after all the open-world games that I played in the last year where I constantly get distracted with everything, like the settlements in Fallout 4. Uh, this one has a very very narrow scope to it, and I, um, I really, really forgot how much I appreciate that, especially in an RPG. So I, I would definitely recommend playing. I'm really enjoying uh, what I played now. Well, now I'm going to have to try it because it, it was something I definitely I keep looking at it, the sealed box. And I'm thinking I've got to get this out someday. But now now I've got to try it so that at least I can can refer to it when it might be uh, at least loosely tied to an episode of the show. So I'm down for that. Yeah, check it out. I mean, it's it's, it's seems like a really good game to kind of pull out between really large games. And that's kind of what I was hoping for. So it's um, more than more than worth your time. Yeah, I think I think it'll make uh, it'll probably come up in discussion again when we do that South Park. 64 episode oh. episode 100 yeah. get ready i mean we we gotta we're doing bayou billy today we can't <laughs> ever do any other game as bad as bayou billy again so but is that is it as bad as bayou billy i guess we'll find out yeah let's just jump right in to the pure moments of joy we had while playing the adventures of bayou <sighs> billy for the nintendo entertainment system
So I guarantee we've all played this before the podcast. I don't think anyone had not played this before we recorded this, right? I mean, not recorded, but before we were getting ready to, to record this episode. I, I rented it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Billy. Uh, oh, what a gentleman. Uh, I, I rented this. And it was one of those things, if you were a kid and you saw something that had your name in it, you immediately uh, had to, have, if it was a movie or a game, you immediately had to watch it or play it. So when I saw The Adventures of Bayou Billy, I I was very excited. And I remember sitting there at the video store, sitting on the ground in front of the Nintendo section. I saw it. I snatched it up. I, I got my you know my mother to run it to the counter. I brought it home, and I played through the first stage. Well, not through the first stage, because the first night I did not get through the first stage. And by the end of the weekend, I had gotten to the driving level, that first one, which we will speak on as the show goes on. Uh, and then it was time to take it back, which I did, and I never picked it up again, which I, I can't stress uh, how much of a rarity that is. Because whenever I picked up a game, if I didn't finish it that weekend, you know, I'd take down the password, I would do uh, whatever, and then I would pick it up, uh, and then I would try to finish it. And I would just keep renting it until then. No. One and done on this one. Not that you could have uh, saved a password if you wanted to. No. <laughs> my my story is, is basically the same. This was one of the very first Nintendo games I ever rented back when I was a kid. And it was brand new at the video store and uh, looked really cool. It's got a cool box cover. You know, the back looked really neat. Um, you know, took it home. And just like Billy, within, you know, the first 30 minutes of playing it, I was crestfallen. It was, it's a terrible, terrible time. And even me as a young kid who played through many, many terrible games, I could not last more than a few hours of Bayou Billy because before I just put it back in the box and, and never touched it again. It was uh, it was rough. It was it taught me a valuable lesson back in a in the day when I when I thought there was no bad NES games. Bayou Billy taught me that there are bad NES games, really bad NES games, and I have not touched it uh, since until just a few weeks ago. Well, I'm sure you guys will thank me profusely throughout this episode, uh, but mm-hmm. but I had to I had to revisit this. I know I had a copy of this as a kid. I know that everyone uh, that I was friends with that played Nintendo, it, you know, at least every other one of us had this game. It was first of all it was Konami, uh, who at, at this point in time, you know, they made Castlevania, they had Contra, they had so many other great games. There's no way this game would be bad. It's Konami. Also, you have to remember the year. This was 1989. So the year before, the most amazing sequel to Crocodile Dundee came out in 1988. The the country was in a frenzy for Crocodile Dundee. And here's this game that looks like Crocodile Dundee the game. I mean, the outfit is exactly <laughs> the same as the outfit on the movie poster for Crocodile Dundee 2. You can't imagine this game is going to be bad. It got its own spread in Nintendo Power. It was not a cover uh, issue, but it was in the... the, the uh, I don't remember which issue it was. It was in an issue where they gave you maps and they showed you you know, all the, the different things it could do because it wasn't really one game. It's three game styles. Now that's not a big deal. You know, Grand Theft Auto has has driving sections, it has action sections, it's got all these weird side games, and, and you know, you can play blackjack, you can do all these other things, but that's normal in the game now. But but back in 1989, a game that had not just side-scrolling beat-em-up pieces and driving pieces, but another third section where you could use the light gun. I mean, that's that's three games in one from a company that you know wasn't going to give you a turd. 
and it was based on what's a terrible series of movies, but at the time seemed great. I mean, there's no way this game was going to be bad. And I don't want to say that it's a bad game because the mechanics of the game, you know, it doesn't look sloppy. It doesn't look like I just threw it together. It doesn't have, you know, horrible glitches that make it unplayable or, or things that don't do what they're supposed to. It's just unforgiving and shitty. Oh, it's a bad game. It, it's a, <laughs> you are correct, and, and Konami did not give you a turd with this game. They gave you three. Uh, there are yeah, there are three different styles of play in this. All, one of them is at least half decent. We'll see if everybody agrees on what that is as we go along. Uh, and it, it at best is just boring. I think is the the biggest compliment I could give it. But oh man, this this game. I've never been uh, more miserable. I think to play a video game. You know, there's usually that air of excitement. To come. And speaking of excitement, I'm going to give you a, a, a rare glimpse behind the scenes. One person in this podcast came to the other two of us very excited that Bayou Billy was out on the Wii U, uh, on the eShop channel. And, and uh, Jeremy P., he may try to play it down, but I think there was genuine excitement in his voice when he, when he presented that to us. There really was. First off... I I knew this was a game that I always thought was way too hard, and therefore a piece of me thought, if I really spend time on this and get good at it, I'm going to accept that it's a good game, and I just wasn't good enough for it. But also, uh, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago on the eShop, they put a, a series of light gun games out because you can use the Wiimote as a light gun, so they also had Hogan's Alley and Wild Gunman, and, uh, and I don't know what it is about those, because I don't really enjoy playing them, but I like that they did it. So I bought it, because I was going to try it both, you know, with the, the light gun uh, Wiimote and also with the controller. Uh, by the way, don't ever play this with the light gun Wiimote. It is almost impossible. Um, but the, I was super excited about it. It was, on, it was also on the list, to be fair. Jeremy put it on the list as well, uh, although I think he just did it to spite everybody else. <laughs> I only did it because as soon as I knew I, was, I put it on the list, everyone was going to be like, no, we will never play this game for the podcast. <laughs> And then what the fuck happens? We play this game for the podcast. And I'm not going to give this game points just because I can boot it up and play it. It is a terrible game all around. Just because it's got three different game types in it. I, I don't think that should, you know, it's cool that they did that. But I kind of wish they would have just made one of them fun. Or at least not made you want to just, you know, throw the controller at the TV constantly. It is a terrible brawler. It is a terrible light gun game, and it is a absolute travesty of a driving action, whatever the fuck those stages are. It is, from beginning to end, just a giant pile of shit. And I really can't believe I played it as much in the last two weeks as I did. I, I did the same as you. I was trying to maybe find something that was worthwhile with this game, but I... Maybe the music. Music's not bad, but the rest of this game is trash. Well, let's let's get started. Instead of instead of just talking about how bad each of these things are, let's really focus on each one. So the game starts. The first level is a side-scrolling brawler level, which you know, in in the eight-bit Nintendo days, 
there were a million of these, you know, that's rival streets and um, final fight. Any any of those games where you you know walk from one side of the screen uh, to the other side of the screen, fighting guys as the screen stops scrolling. Once you finish killing those guys, you can then continue to scroll. Um, it doesn't need a lot of explanation. What makes this specific side scroller notable in positive or negative is that it's extremely hard and it's extremely unforgiving you have seven hit points essentially in your life bar and and you're lucky if you'll you'll beat up anything without at least taking one to two hits if you're lucky only two hits well you know the the problem is yeah you're gonna i have not had an exchange with even the first enemy that pops up the regular standard should be the easiest goon in the game it still will land one or two hits on you. It's because when you're, ex- I think any good uh, side scrolling game, like Double Dragon, for instance, when you hit an enemy, they go into uh, animation. You know, they have been hit. In that period of time, you know, you can chain together a couple of hits usually. You can develop a, a technique. You know, you can give them a punch or a kick or whatnot, and you can mix it up. On here, uh, if you punch them, they maybe flinch just a little bit. But they will just stand there with you and just slug it out. And uh, these are the early enemies. I, I defy anybody on their first playthrough of this game to get through that first level without dying. You know, without just game over on the first level. Uh, and I think another problem is during these levels, your character... You know, and the thing about these the side-scrolling beat-em-ups, your character always seems just a little stronger until it comes to a boss just a little bit stronger than the, the regular enemies out there. But you're not. You have no clear advantage over these guys. They seem to take as many hits as you do. They have the same attacks. Some seem to have even more. Uh, usually they come in armed. You are just a, a much weaker character altogether than even the, the lowliest of thugs in this game. Dan, there's, there's, like you said, there's no combos. You know, once you throw a punch... Your character goes back to their standard animation, and the enemy does not go into any sort of, uh, you know, he he doesn't flinch backwards long enough for you to throw another punch before he gets an attack on you. And I thought, all right, you know, whatever. Maybe the jump kick is the way to go. The jump kick is if you press uh, B and A together, you'll do like a little standing jump kick. Or if you're you're going forward or backwards, you'll you'll jump around. But even that, even though it's more powerful, it's still you're going to take hits. It is impossible not to take hits when you're fighting these guys. I, if there is a way, I'd like to know. But as, as far as I can tell, even if you time this, you know, the pixel perfect, the length, uh, they will still have enough to, to hit you back. So you're always going to lose at least two or three bars of energy with every single person that you come across in those stages. Well, and, and not only do they not in any way well they they do a slight flinch but it's not long enough for you to do anything about it but but then they immediately you know in my when i was playing at least 50 percent of the time they would immediately just punch or kick right back like it was as soon as you hit them they're they'd flinch back long enough for you to pull your fist back again and then they're kicking you right in the face and then you you know there's nothing you can do other than take that damage uh you can't block you do get a um a bulletproof escalator but i don't think it stops blunt attacks from doing damage i think it just actually stops bullets uh, so it's less than useful since I think there's two guys with bullets in the entire game. Um, so much like any other any other brawler, as you're fighting guys, sometimes you'll punch them and they'll drop a weapon if they have a weapon on them. Or some of them have food that's great because that'll heal you up because that's you'll need it. Um, 
the weapons that you get, you think, oh, great, now I've got a weapon. Now I'm going to destroy these guys. I don't really think the weapons are all that much stronger than a punch or kick as it is. And in some cases, it makes it actually harder to hit guys <laughs> effectively, I found, than just jump kicking over and over again. Yeah, I think I think the weapon at best maybe just I don't there's no added power that I could tell. I think it may give you a little more range, maybe. Uh but that's it. But the, the hit detection is so poor. Uh, so very poor. I we're talking, you know, you have to hit that you have to hit that certain pixel. You know, if they're too far, uh, of course you're gonna miss. If they're too close and you're right and you're going something longer range, you're still gonna miss. <sighs> And, you know, and I played through and I started to, to foolishly build up maybe a small bit of confidence. You know, I had gotten down a, a few guys uh, taking minimal hits. I, I was still taking damage, but, you know, I got my energy refilled. And this is the first stage, mind you. And there comes time you have to jump off land uh, and you have to, you know, you have to wade, wade through this, uh, wade through this river in the swamp. And uh, there's these shadows obviously, you know, you know, it's got to be a crocodile or something like that under there. And you just, you try to get by those, but there comes a time where you cannot, and you are face to face. Mind you, it's the first level. I had a stick. I just had a stick and I was tasked with, with taking down two crocodiles and, and that fight wasn't infuriating because I, I was taking damage because I could get through it with minimal damage. Uh, but this goes back to the, how, what you say when the, the you know the weapon really doesn't add much. You had to just get within a certain range. You had to coax them into coming up, and you could only do that by moving back a couple steps from them. Then they pop up, and I don't know if you just have to have split-second reflexes just to hit them right at that moment, or else you either take a hit or you're too late. And I stood waiting around in there forever on that fight. Well, And they take... A million hits. I mean, yeah. it's not that bad, but you probably have to hit each each alligator if you don't have the stick. I think the stick takes eight hits, but your fists take like 12 hits. So the stick is slightly stronger than your fist, but the difference between eight hits and 12 hits is still uh, that both of those are way too many hits for a standard enemy to take in a, in a game, especially when you have to wait for them to move around under the water and they go like in a half circle kind of back and forth. And eventually they come up and you can hit them one time if you're lucky uh, before they hit you. Um, the only good thing with... The, well, it's, it's good and bad. The good thing with those alligators is that they do drop extra food. So there's a good chance that if you're fighting an alligator, it will drop meals. However, because it drops them in the water, I'd say 90% of the time they'll drop it, and either they pick it back up somehow under the water just because their character rise over it, or I just never find it because it's in the middle of the swamp. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times I died because I was down to one or two life points just running through the swamp trying to find that meat that just came off that alligator. Uh, but, but it happened a good number of times. So the, you'll, you'll fight the alligators, and then right after the, you have to fight those alligators is the first, the first and only time that I think in the game where you run into people with guns. Uh, these guys come up in scuba gear uh, out of the next swamp over. You'll, you can get their gun, which is great because it gives you bullets uh, as well, that you actually have to switch from your regular weapon to the gun to use. Uh, and then you fight probably what five more guys total in the whole level uh which you can use those bullets and if you have them great you might get through the end of the level without dying um because otherwise once you get to the end of the level you lose your items you lose your gun you lose your bullets because the second level starts the second type of game which is the shooter section of the game the light gun section
Now, do you guys like light gun games at all? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Let me try that again. Do you guys like like light gun games at all? No. I I I like Duck Hunt. Okay. Um, and there was another one, Gumshoe. I I tolerated, uh, but no. I mean, altogether, that's been a something I enjoy in the arcade only. I, I just never, never really had the time for it at home. I've never been good at them. I mean, you know, everyone's fine at Duck Hunt, and I, and I played a lot of the early Nintendo ones. I had a copy of Gutcha, which is the only worse light gun game than this. Oh, jeez. Um, oh, oh, Gutcha oh. is so bad. It's just boring. It's not that it's it's a bad game as much as it's the most boring game ever made. But But this, instead, is... It's worse than the Nintendo port of Operation Wolf in, in that things just fall, like eyes just fall from the sky. You're just, you're going left to right, the screen scrolls through a, a swamp area like what you were just in, and all of a sudden you have a gun with, with uh, 100 bullets if you play with the controller, which is game style B, or 50 bullets if you play with the light gun. Uh, and then you just shoot guys that are either hiding behind a tree or just fall from the sky uh, as you scroll to the right until eventually you get to... Uh, the end of the level where you fight a helicopter, which with the light gun, I was unable to beat the helicopter. I tried over and over again, and I eventually decided that maybe it's because the Wii version of the light gun has a slight delay because it actually puts the cursor on the screen like the Wii pointer would be. So it's it's not as fluid as the original light gun would have been uh, with an old TV. Uh, but I just found it to be too slow and not responsive enough. So I switched back to game B next time and... With the extra bullets and the fact that you can, you know, slam on that that B button as fast as you need to, I was able to take down that helicopter. But what a terrible boss! And other than that, that boss, the rest of the level is just boring. A, a very boring shooter. No, no, yeah, I agree. But I, I need to throw in a warning. Not that anyone is, uh, for your sake, don't go play this afterwards. But if you do, make sure you pick the right game type at the beginning. If you if you choose the light gun. I, I can't recall which is which. I know a is a light gun. A is light gun. Well, if you choose A and you get to this stage and you do not have, if you're playing on the NES, you do not have a light gun, you're out of luck. There, There's no way. You have to reset and start over again and get through that opening stage. I just, I think it's a slap in the face. You're already suffering if you made it to this point. Like we said, I mean, it's a cool thing that they put it in there, but having limited ammo like that. I actually forgot that you have limited ammo. So I was going through this stage and I was like, this ain't too bad. You know, I was just holding down the button, um, you know, just killing everyone left and right. And then I just get a game over screen. I, w- I wasn't paying any attention to the fact that I had limited bullets. And when I got back there, I saw that I was like, Oh, this game, it just keeps kicking you right in the balls. Just every chance it gets, it, it doesn't let up like any, any little thing, that it can do to make the, the experience more painful in each one of these game modes, it has done. And I, I could, like, I, I finally got by it and everything. Like you said, the, the helicopter is terrible. It's just as terrible as I remember it back when I was a kid. And it, because of that limited ammo, you actually have to memorize relatively large chunks of this stage where everyone's going to jump out, um, you know, where everybody's hiding, and you have to be very frugal with the amount of bullets that you're shooting at these guys. You know, it's you just can't lay on it because that would actually be fun. The game doesn't want you to have fun with it, so you have to sit here and memorize just about where every fucking person's going to drop down, where they're going to run by. It's it, it's miserable, 
and it, probably the worst gun game experience I have ever played on the NES. Even worse than Gotcha. Oh, what makes this worse with if you play the game A with a light gun, and you actually have a light gun so you can play it, is that it does start you with less bullets. I guess they decided that would be easier than with a controller. I, I think it would be the exact opposite. I mean, I, I think with a controller you can pretty much destroy this this first shooting section without a whole lot of problem. But the <laughs> the light gun, they only give you 50 bullets. And that means not only do you have to memorize where everybody is so you don't waste bullets, you've got to make sure that the five guys in the level that drop bullets when you kill them, you don't let go by. You can't miss them or you will run out of ammo before you even get to that helicopter. It is not enjoyable. It, it's only hard in managing your resources. And then again, the, the helicopter itself is hard. But I'd say of the parts of the game, the shooter is probably the least frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah it's, uh, it's not fun, but it, it, it's probably the least frustrating. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, it's, like I said at the beginning, it, this is the one that is the, I guess, least offensive. Uh, it, it's it's just bland, and that's it. I guess this is the one that just reminds me most of, uh, you know, just a regular NES light gun game. Uh, besides the bullets and everything, it it works you know you, you shoot a guy and they, they you don't have to just sit there and keep getting hit in the face or, or anything like that it's uh you know it's it's inoffensive but when that's the best i can give the entire game uh you're doing something wrong well the the gun section is only the second of the three game styles so after be level two level three is another side scrolling action level it's actually pretty unremarkable it's just like the first level it's still in the swamp uh, you fight the same enemies, uh, except that it does have a boss at the end who's just a big wrestler guy. Uh, nothing really remarkable about him except that you have to really, really get down how to, to get a jump kick in and get away. Because if you don't get away, he grabs you and pile drives you, and, and that's it. And you won't do enough damage to him for the number of times he'll pile drive you. So the only way I found to not just beat him but any of the side-scrolling regular guys is you'd literally... You'd have to jump kick him exactly at the right length to where during that one flash of a response on their end where they kind of kind of flinch, you can walk straight down. And then whatever they try to do, punch you, kick you, throw you, it will miss. And you have to time it perfectly, uh, which is irritating because it means that the jump kick is the only you, you know, real weapon of use uh, at this point in the game. But after you get through the third section, which I think if you did have the patience to play this and you did get through the first section, the third level side-scroller you'll have no real problem with. That's when you come into what I believe is the worst part of this game and maybe any game that wasn't completely broken, and that is the driving sections. Driving sections are bad. This is oh, this is the tip top of the shit pile right here. This is just yeah. I, I think it goes down. It could probably go down as one of the worst levels in video game history. I, I don't know where to start on this. Other this was what shut me down. This is what as a a kid who loved video games and 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 you know thought video games couldn't possibly hurt me. Video games can never do me any wrong. Uh, this is when I learned a hard lesson. 
And this is the one that killed my, my youthful enthusiasm towards this game and, and sent me packing. And, and it's every bit as bad as I recalled, and maybe then some. Well, the game, the, the driving sections, uh, I guess to explain the mechanics of it, it's not a side-scrolling driving game. It is like almost like road blasters. You're driving from you know into the screen, and the the course goes left and right, or enduro, or one of those old old kind of racing games, pole position. It's it's that kind of racing, but not anywhere near as fun, because I don't know if it, if it's that it tries to seem like it's going too fast, but I found things just come up on you way too quickly you you can shoot cars that come by but for whatever reason you can't shoot rocks and there are rocks just strewn throughout the the path you're taking from the swamp to to follow to get your girlfriend back and while you're you're fighting these other cars that come through and trying to dodge rocks if you can see them fast enough which i could not uh you have a time limit which means you can't take your time and make this a a reasonable driving <laughs> driving section. You have to go as fast as you possibly can. And there are helicopters that come by and drop bombs on you that sometimes, especially if they show up during a turn, you can't dodge. Uh, you, if you're lucky and, and you remember you can do this, which I didn't, you can throw grenades at them. Uh, and that sometimes helps. But depending where you are, you may not be able to do that, especially because if you're throwing a grenade, you can't shoot forward until that grenade is done on its path so a lot of the time if there's a car somewhere on the screen and there's a helicopter coming i was afraid to throw a grenade because if you if you run into the car you immediately die that's what makes this driving game the most frustrating is that if you're hit once by a car by a rock by a bomb you lose a life and you only have three lives assuming you start fresh at that level if you if you continue at that point or whatever you have three lives which means hitting three things and it's like a, a minute-and-a-half-long driving section for that first driving level. Like Billy, this was the one that, that broke me. I, I, As a kid, I got to this stage, and I wasn't having a good time to begin with. And I got to this one, and it is... It, you have to be so perfect in a thing that doesn't allow you to be perfect or, or tries its best to, you know, just every corner you can come up to it's going to try to kill you and it's it's almost impossible to do i don't even know how i managed to get past this as a kid i did but this one when i got to this stage now was the one that made me stop playing the game because i even with save states i refuse to do this again it is it's uh unplayable almost i mean this, in my my opinion it feels it feels like a punishment it's like, oh, you're still playing. What's wrong with you? Here, surely. This <laughs> surely this will teach you. You know, I uh I had to resort to some desperate measures at this point. And all right, I bought this as a kid and I told myself at the time I was not going to depend on it. I was going to get it out only in, in times of, of dire need. So this time for the first time in the history of this podcast, I had to get the game genie out. Oh shit! For a game, and with with the the help of, of infinite lives, and at times infinite energy, I was able to get through. I don't think I would have otherwise. I don't. I don't think I have the the, the attention span. Nor at this point in time, this game had it had broken me all over again. I, I didn't have the desire to keep going but I, I don't see how you could do it i know there are people that can play through this i even when i like to go on youtube and kind of see 
speed runs to see how actually actual good players play through these games. And yeah, I, I see people getting through it. I have no clue how. I, I personally, I think I'm decent at video games. I'm, I'm really good at some. Uh, I can usually get pretty good at most. I will never be good at this one. I will never be able to, on my own, sit down and play through this game all the way through without assistance. I don't. I mean, I know it's possible because, yeah, there are people who have done it, but I, I don't know if I ever, if it wasn't for this podcast and Save States, I would never have played this again, and there's no way I would have gotten past this driving level. This game, and I think I said this to, to Billy when we were talking about it, this game is rude. This is a rude game. So not only do you die in one hit, and then thankfully if you die in one hit during the car section, um, you do get to start right where you stopped at until you have to continue. Then you go back to the very beginning of that level. And I'm sure this said this in the manual. Uh, none of us have the manual, I'm sure, still for this game. But you only have a handful of continues. It's three or four. It's not many. So as a kid, if you managed to get through that first section, and you probably had died and had to continue before you got through the gun section, and then you died and continued probably on the, the third level with the uh, with the boss but then you'll get to this this driving stage and you're like yes this is where i'm gonna learn how to do it and you die in one hit three times and you have to continue and it doesn't warn you how many continues you have left all of a sudden it's just like your game is over and it takes you back to the start screen i know that happened to me a bunch of times as a kid and i know that that was the point where i just gave up and didn't bother i know i made it to the driving levels i never made it past but because of that i didn't even know so you, you finally force yourself to play this game as an adult, and you play through this level with save states, and even with save states, it probably took me an hour to get through this driving level. And I get to the end of it, and the next level is another driving level. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> I, um... I mean, that was the point where, I mean, even now, even knowing that I had save states and therefore I had not used any continues... I just sat there and stared at it, and I thought, what have I done? Right. I have I've t- taken... This podcast was going to be about Skull Monkeys, a great game, and hopefully the next one is. <laughs> because this game, this was the point where I was like, I, I am a dick. I can't believe I, po- I called this game, because this is infuriating. These driving levels aren't fun, even when you literally have no way you can fail. They're awful. The, the second, the two in a row. Oh, I, I just sat there and I thought... They got a lot of fucking nerve doing that. Uh, the, it's just, it, it, the game gets increasingly insulting. The first driving level was one middle finger from them, extended towards you. The second, they get out the second hand. They give you two, right there in your face. Uh, this game. Uh, now, as a kid, I made it through both of these driving stages. Oh. I actually made it through, I remember this. I strangely, I don't remember too many things about a lot of those early NES games that I rented. But Bayou Billy, I, I think I put so much of my own life force into that I remember every little thing about this game that I played. And I made it through both of those driving stages eventually. And then I got to that next stage, which I believe is uh, you're finally in, in Louisiana or something. You're in a city. And it takes so much effort. You have to play that game so perfect to get past those two driving stages and the bullshit that came before it. That by the time you get to that next that, that next side scrolling stage, you, you just you don't have any more effort left. 
I mean, it's the same side-scrolling shit as before, just harder. There's more enemies and everything coming at you. And you've probably spent a, a few continues at that point just to get to that point. And then you die. There's that game over screen. And all you know that you have to do everything you just did. Those two side-scrolling stages, that one shooting stage, and those two horrible driving stages just to get back to where you were i turned it off and put it back in that box i was done i never wanted to play that game again oh and and i i would say that's that's the right choice because even you know i did make it through the driving stages and i and i did get to uh the the you know stage six is is a size growing stage that you finally get you out of the swamp you're in it's new orleans or something and immediately you fight three guys at the same time who have yes uh, oh, yeah. is it is it knives? It's something they actually don't even drop. Like it's a weapon they can't drop that it has a like better range than anything you've got. The whips. Like, this game. Well, you get whips later. I will say oh, okay. the whip is the only weapon in the game I found. I mean, the the gun is great because it does do a lot of damage. But again, I only saw it in the first level. So the the whip though, a great weapon. It gives you a better range than most of those guys have because it's got a, a such a good range. You can actually chain whip hits together. So if you if you have a whip and you're only fighting one guy at a time, there's a really good chance you can just whip the shit out of him, get two or three hits before he even comes close enough to you, run away, turn around, hit him two or three times. You might kill a guy without getting hit. That's the only way i found to do it, though, is with the whip or with the gun. So the the, the level six, you're, you're finally in New Orleans, and you'll get through that level, which was not, I think, compared to the first two side-scrolling stages, is is not too bad. Again, because you can get a couple whips in it, and the whips, once you get it, kind of give you an advantage and then you get to the next and the final gun stage which is much harder than the first gun stage and the boss i can't imagine ever defeating ever i mean i did it i did it for this podcast because i was able to save right before i got to the boss and i probably tried him 30 times before i finally beat him what a garbage boss it's two guys you fight at the same time uh, almost like in Castlevania, the original Castlevania, there's like an Igor and, and a Frankenstein's monster you fight at the same time where one of them hops around and the and, and shoots fireballs at you and the other one just goes back and forth really slowly but does a lot of damage if he hits you. This is the same idea. There's a guy that hops around and throws knives and then there's a huge guy with a like a machine gun. And if you hit the guy with a machine gun, he stops long enough for you to find and hit the guy that's jumping around throwing knives at you. So I ended up having to kind of, you basically shooting left side of the screen, right side of the screen, left side of the screen, right side of the screen, left side of the screen, right side of the screen, flawlessly. And if you can do that flawlessly, you can beat him. But if you mess that up at all, you're dead. That's it. Back to the beginning of the stage. Miserable boss. See, I didn't, I didn't get to that point. I didn't even watch a uh, playthrough of this because I was so angry at it. I didn't want to see the rest of it. And it's uh I, you can barely play it when you're just trying to play the regular stages so i can't even imagine coming up to a boss of of this like this it, it just doesn't even seem possible i i got there i i, I used the uh I, I don't have anything to be ashamed of in this show i, I played this game that's a big <laughs> enough shame i used the level skip on the game gene there i, I skipped this level i you know i didn't have the uh, the infinite or the, uh, you know, infinite health or whatnot for this one. I said, I'm just going to, I just want to take a look at these last levels. I'm going to play through them. When I die, I die. And this boss, it just, it, it goes, I don't, once again, I don't see how you can do it. And I found myself at more than one point in this game. It just makes you think about 
other things, uh, better ways you could spend your time. You could be around the ones you love. Yeah, you could you, you write that novel you want to write. I go back to college. Finish finish <laughs> that television series you've been watching. Play a better game. Do something. Do something better with your life. This game makes you want to get out there and do something better. I, Horrible. I guess I should be proud that I did get as far as I did as a kid. But what did I get to? Five, level five or six? You got to six. You got through the two driving levels. It's farther than right, I yeah. did on my own uh, without I, I, save I states. That. and. I mean, I, I should get like an award for that. I, as, as a kid, I, I didn't feel like I achieved anything. I, I, I felt, you know, when you're playing a good game and you, you make it past certain levels, you, you feel, you know, this certain level of achievement you know, that you, you're like, yeah, I did it. You know, I've, I've gotten better as a player. I know how to play this game better, and this game does nothing like that. It just, you feel relieved that you have made it to a new stage, and then you see that next stage and realize it's even worse than the last one. You were just slogging through, just the, and it just a pile of shit all the way through. And I never felt like that I accomplished anything, even by getting that far. I just, I just remember turning it off in defeat and, and being completely sad that I rented this game instead of Mega Man 2. Yeah, I, I get somewhere in this game. That's probably, it's probably not, you probably didn't even mention this at school. It's not even something you brag about to your friends that, that you got that far in Bayou Billy. There, there's no pride to be taken in this game. It's like somebody would, you know, you'd say that to a friend and they'd be like, oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> My condolences. <laughs> really sorry you got that far. Well, if if somehow you you got through the second shooting stage, you're then to the last two stages of the game. Stage eight's another side-scrolling Louisiana level. Uh, it, it's basically the same as the previous one, but the last level is just the final boss fight. So you you go. You've played this game now. You only have three continues. You've managed to get all the way to the last boss. And he's not a hard fight compared to some of the other boss fights. You can actually hit him a couple times before he hits you, depending what you're doing. And then you figure the game is over. You, the whole game you've been chasing, I don't remember his name because it doesn't matter, bad guy with a hat. And bad guy with a hat, who's a you know a big heavy set gentleman uh, with a gun, you finally take him out. And all of a sudden, two giant, almost like double dragon abobos come in in different colors and just beat the crap out of you, and I never was able to beat them. I don't know who they are. I don't know why they're there. They're never mentioned in the game. Uh, apparently, they're supposed to be his bodyguards, but they come after he's dead, so they're not very good bodyguards. <laughs> and, and it's again, it's rude. It's like you, you did all this work, and you finally beat the guy you've been chasing the whole time. You're like, yes, I get my girlfriend back. I think that's what I was doing. I've forgotten. And all of a sudden, two huge guys that don't belong in the game at all come into the room and just proceed to beat you mercilessly. It's terrible. What just more do you expect at other. this point? What more do you expect? <laughs> but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that a lot of people probably haven't. Let's talk about the story to, to buy you, Billy. All right, so your girlfriend's been kidnapped. Why has she been kidnapped? Buy you, Billy, by all means. He, he appears to be a man of simple means. I don't think he has... I don't think he can meet even the smallest of ransoms. I, I, did you did you read anything? Did I miss something? I didn't let the game play through at the beginning. Did it did it explain everything? Uh, I mean, it just explains that he took your girlfriend because he wanted her. 
Ooh. So you're going to go and and save her because uh, Boss Hog stole her. That's pretty much the story I got. And I, um, as a kid, I probably didn't pick up on it, but as an adult, I I think that you know he's he's left her in a bad way by the time you get there. More well, than likely, uh, very likely. Um, but it doesn't matter because I didn't save her because two random large men came and beat the crap out of me after I beat the person I thought was the end of the game. That's just it's. If I would have somehow gotten that far playing on the cartridge and getting to the end, and that was like my last continue, I would have actually broken my Nintendo in half. <laughs> I would have ripped it in half with my bare hands and then just I continued to break every other thing I owned. I would I mean, have been living in a house that was yeah. on fire because of Bayou Billy. I think that's the ultimate goal of that game is to just continually beat you down, either to the point where you throw your Nintendo out the fucking window or you just don't play games anymore. It's just it does not seem like the person. I mean, we'll get to this here in a minute when we talk about the Japanese version. But the um, the trans the person that that produced the American version of that game hated video games. I genuinely think that they hated people, everyone on Earth, and video games, especially video games, because they made that game into a just. It's it's hard to describe just how how it makes you feel playing that game. This, this is life. Life, the video game. It may as well be. It's unfair. You can't win. You're going to die by the end of it. <laughs> you, you, think, you think you're getting ahead a little bit. You think you're kind of getting it down. You're kind of getting a little better. And no. And then they completely turn it upside down on you. And you fail miserably yet again. And you're destined to the entirety of the time you play. Yeah, it is just like life. Pretty much. It's a sobering game. But uh, speaking about the, the story, you know, if there's anyone here on this podcast that knows anything about mm. the story of Bayou Billy, it should be Billy Holiday himself, who owned uh, Bayou Billy comic books that I didn't even know existed. You so know, I think it, you're going to have to talk about exactly what the hell... Buy you Billy comic books are all about, and why would you have had them? Yes, why did you buy them? <laughs> you, you know, I don't know. I don't remember actually <laughs> buying these, but they sure enough they're there. Uh, and you know, I read uh, the first few episodes, uh, the first few issues, and I'll be honest with you, I still have no further grasp for the uh, for, for the for the story. Uh, I don't that the story isn't necessarily. Uh, tied to this video game uh once again there is a i can't tell if it's the same boss or not but there's another man uh, i think jeremy p said it with, with boss hog like qualities and you know bayou billy is i think angry that he's you know messing around in his 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 area you know in the swamp swamplands the good honorable swamplands this man's rolling through and the love interest in that is a, a police agent of some sort, uh, if I remember correctly. And, and I, f I fully intend to have these up on Retrovania.net. And I, I was working on it, and then I hit a big snag. I realized I have four issues. There are five. There are five issues in the series, and I, I can't find the fifth one. And, you know, this is one of those things that people own it. Oh, you know they're not parting with it. Nobody's <laughs> going to let their Bayou Billy... Issue number five, go. Uh, to note in it, though, uh, Bayou Billy seems to uh, be a lot more 
kind of uh, a capable of, of fighting. He's got flash powder. He's got some. He's got some ropes on him. Uh, he, he very handily takes down the the hired henchman. It, he's everything you would want uh, from the video game. Uh, but yeah, uh, three issues I read covered uh, front to back, and really, there's not a lot of story there. Uh, it's just Bayou Billy get in a couple fights and the, the, the police agent, the lady, she is, she's got a thing for him, but he's turning her down left and right several times throughout. So in no time for the ladies is Bayou Billy. So we're not sure if this was a prequel to the game or something that happened after the fact. We don't know. And we don't care. I, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if after this he he you know he got a a name for himself out there for his shooting and driving and and fighting abilities, or if maybe this is a prequel and the, maybe the video game is the revenge. I, I don't know. I could see that maybe, uh, but you know, right now we've reached that point in time where I really can't believe we spent this much time delving into the 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 story of of Bayou Billy, the Bayou Billy universe. It's sadly just about the only thing interesting about Bayou Billy. I will give it that the whole Crocodile Dundee, the setting, the characters, it was it was different. It, it definitely wasn't you know the same as as a lot of these other kind of games with the you know space space combat or or you know the other kind of shit that it was doing back then. To have something set in Louisiana and the Bayou and New Orleans, it was kind of neat. I mean, it looked really cool, but just the rest of the game wasn't but so yeah i could totally understand why we sat here and talked about the rest of it because it's the only thing mildly interesting about bayou billy but yeah and also i I think we we spoke of this uh earlier on and not during the the podcast itself so it has to be brought up that voice at the beginning oh yeah on the nes you know the the guy comes on and he he reads off the, the title of the game to you and you know, as a kid, that's the besides the difficulty. That's the one thing as a kid I recall. And if if you're already excited because uh, it's a nice looking box, you mentioned it earlier. The the box cover at the back, uh, it looks exciting. Uh, but and yeah, and that voice, you you think you are in for something at that point. Uh, I mean, the rest of the sound is is decent, but that voice at the beginning. Uh, Probably the most impressive part. It's all downhill from there, though. Well, you brought up for a minute earlier, Jeremy, that the Japanese version of the game is is significantly different. Um, the Japanese version is called Mad City. It came out earlier. And most notably, and I'm sure we can break this down a little bit. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it. But basically, it's uh, easier. It's a feasible version of the game we just played. Uh, the It's the- weird. It's I mean, it's a... I'm not going to go out and say it's a it's a good game, but Mad, the Japanese version of Mad City, uh, I took it on myself to, to download a ROM of it and play it because, I mean, who owns a copy of Mad City for the NES? Um, it's it's significantly easier. Uh, in the original Bayou Billy, I'm, I'm sure you've got more stuff. I played the first couple of stages just to see if it was different, and um, but you might have more than what I know. Uh, but just that first stage alone, it's so much easier to play this game. Uh, the the enemies themselves, you know, in the uh, the American version, you have to jump kick them what six or seven times to take them down. Just a basic enemy, 
in the Japanese version, two jump kicks. That's yes. it. Two kicks, two jump kicks to kill guys. Uh, the If you have a stick and you fight the alligator section, two hits. Oh, so literally, you don't even have to fight the alligators in this one. Well, you can the first time you can skip them in this, but uh, you're right. They also have different layouts of the levels. I don't believe you're forced to fight the crocodiles at any point in time. No. Um, but the the levels are. I mean, it's basically the same game. They definitely changed it, changed some of the level layouts and and you know number of enemies and such for the U.S. But the harder the 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 big piece is everything takes a lot longer to kill. I mean that that's a a horrible way to make the difficulty harder. Uh, so that that's how the side-scrolling sections are different. The gun section is different because they give you more bullets. Otherwise, it's basically the same game uh, on the the gun sections. I didn't find them to be incredibly hard, but with you know doubling your ammo makes a huge difference, uh, and also the ammo drops give you twice as much as well. So there's just a lot more ammo in the Japanese version. The driving section is the one that, when I saw the original version, it was almost like. That's where it really hits. That they, they, whoever did the translation for this hates you, hates me, hates Bayou Billy, hates the Nintendo, hates that you're out, you know, at home playing this instead of outside, I don't know, shoveling snow or whatever it is you're supposed to be doing. Because the driving sections, first off, the roads are larger. So it's, it's a bigger piece of the screen. It's easier to dodge things. Secondly, most importantly, you have a full life bar like you do in the regular game. You can hit seven what? hits. Oh, come on. Seven hits before you have to die, and then you get to start again with seven hits. So you can, instead of taking three hits on a full continue, you have 21 hits of things you can take. Anyone could beat those driving stages. Well, maybe not the first time because they aren't very, they still aren't very fun, but at least you get a chance. You get a fighting chance to get through those, those levels without dying. Now, I, I really don't understand because this is, uh, you hear about games not getting ported over here because they they figured they would be considered too difficult or you know hear about games that get get changed up so much to to lessen the difficulty for us here so, uh, how did this happen you know it, the only other game i know and i'm sure this happened with a number of other games but but the only other one that i know for a fact that they made harder for the u.s release was also konami and it's castlevania 3 the u.s version yeah. of castlevania 3 is notably harder than the japanese version uh, mainly that things always do increasing amounts of damage, uh, where in the original release they don't. So in the later levels of Castlevania Three, you'll get hit by a bat and it does a fourth, you know, a full fourth of your life bar, or whatever. Well, by the time you get to that point in the original release, it only does you know one one sliver of your sixteen point life bar, or whatever it is Castlevania had. So that's another game that they made harder for the U.S. release, but but in the Castlevania sense, they they were like the U.S. audience wants a longer game, they want a harder game. You know, we're going to do that. And, and at least Castlevania 3 is still fun. I mean, as hard as they made things, you still kill guys in one hit. So making you take more damage is a much more enjoyable way to make it harder than making the enemies harder, uh, you know, than, that, which is the, the tactic taken with this game. But generally, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know why. Even, I mean, even with the, the easiness of Mad City, this still isn't fun, necessarily. Like, the shooting parts are still not that enjoyable. The driving parts are still not, not that much fun. It's impressive they try to do all three things at once, but it's still kind of a, if you try to do too much, you end up failing uh, at making what you wanted to make to begin with, I think. Uh, and, and I think this is a good yeah. example. I think, you know, Mad City, at its best, is an average NES game. And I, if that was released untouched over here... I think I would have had a good time with it. You know, it's nothing crazy, but it would have made a good weekend rental. 
just, you know, kind of playing through it, you know, stupid beat em up game, shooter game. It would be neat to see all of that back then and, and not have to suffer through it. But the translation that they did, they took a mediocre game and made it almost completely impossible by trying to do what they did to it. So it's pretty crazy to me that they went to that length. And at some point, you would think that they would have had to play test that and know just how hard and impossible it was to play. And I know back then there was a lot of games that were fairly short that they wanted to make very hard. You know, like Karate Kid for the NES was was one of those. They have maybe four to six stages, but they try to make it as hard as possible. It never worked. And this seemed to be in the same line of thinking, where if we just make this really hard, it'll be a better game. It's not. It, this is, it makes an average game into uh, just complete tedium and, and not fun at all. So I wish Konami would have had some brains and, and just left this intact for the U.S. release. So I do not recommend, if you have a Wii U, downloading this just because you want to play a light game. If you want to do that, definitely get, uh, you know, they put out Duck Hunt, Hogan's Alley, Wild Gunman, anything is a superior gun game to this because the gun portion of this not only is is really not that much fun, but you have to force yourself to play through the other parts of the game to get to them. So mm, on any version, I, I'm going to definitely say not to bother with Bayou Billy. There's not, unless you, I mean, there's definitely harder games. Battletoads is a harder game, but I think it's also a lot more fun. You Way know, more fun. Ghosts and Goblins is a much harder game, but it's also yeah. much more fun. This this is just, the, the challenge is... is not just that the game is hard, but in getting yourself to not want to turn it off after about three minutes. Next episode, we're going to go ahead and do the game we were supposed to do this episode, which is Skull Monkeys for the PlayStation, a game I love, I put on the list, I'm glad we're doing it, and I can't believe that either of you guys are going to hate that one uh, even a fraction of as much as you hate this one so you won't hate me two weeks from now which is nice i'm going to go out on a limb and say that skull monkeys is a far better game than bayou billy i've actually played it myself it's one of my favorite platformers of all time i know i love this game so i, I don't know if billy's played it but uh he, he would be the odd one out i guess if he hasn't no i have i have never played this one before i really don't have uh a clue about it at all except for the uh, that beans clip that that Jeremy has <laughs> sent me on YouTube about four times now but you know, but, you know I think I think it bodes well because each time I watch it, it it's it's still hilarious so I, I'm looking forward to it and I need I need something after this week <laughs> give me I need something we need we need a palate cleanser after after this mess because it has been a trying two weeks I think for all of us to have to sit through Bayou Billy and, and play this repeatedly over and over again. I think, I think Skull Monkeys will scratch that itch. Uh, it'll, it'll have you make you enjoy retro gaming again uh, after this, which would make you want to quit doing it and only play current games and never, ever look at your Nintendo again. So and before we end the episode, much like every other week, we have some listener mail. Do you have that question, Jeremy? I do, and this week we, we don't just have one listener quest we have are, are you ready for this we have two listener oh, questions on, that means we have two listeners i'm actually very impressed with that so all two listeners of retrovaniacs have, have wrote in this week <laughs> um the first one is from richard 
And hold on here. Let me pull this up so I can actually read it. Richard writes in and says, um, Jeremy's local butchering of the city of Louisville in a recent episode got me thinking about places and words I mispronounce on a daily basis myself, which eventually led down a path of me remembering video game characters and titles that I have knowingly mispronounced for years. Most of my life has been spent calling Ryu Ryu, Ninja Gaiden as Gaiden, and so on. So my question for you all is, do any of you have game titles or characters that you pronounced wrong for years or still do just because it's how you always said it as a kid? The one that comes to mind is I've, I always said Kid Icarus is Kid Icarus forever. And, mm. uh, and that's clearly wrong, but, it, but not embarrassingly wrong. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of, of ones I thought of that were kind of like, yeah, I probably did say that wrong. But, but what it made me think of was when I used to work at uh, Electronics Boutique, when they would, when uh, customers would come in and ask for a game, a lot of the time they would they would mispronounce things that were, you know, I mean things like that, Kid Icarus, Kid Icarus, or, or Ninja Gaiden, or whatever. But my favorite one was uh, at one point they put out a compilation of the first three Mortal Kombat's called Mortal Kombat Trilogy. It was not a very good port of all three Mortal Kombat's, but at the time it was for PlayStation One and, and uh, Saturn. So people would come in all the time and they're like, "Hey man, do you have the new fourth Mortal Kombat Triology?" I love that game. And that was the who, one that I was like, trilogy like Triology. <laughs> well, no, they didn't even know what it meant. They just thought the title was Triology. They didn't know the trilogy meant a collection of three things. They would just call it the fourth Mortal Kombat, Triology. That, that's what that made me think of. Oh, Are wow. you sure more than one person ever said yes, that? Yes, I promise you I had one person a day for like a month look for Triology. Triology. I've Tri- never in my life heard someone say Trilogy is Triology. Well, I mean, again, they didn't, they didn't know what Trilogy was supposed to be the word. They they just oh, Mortal right. Kombat Four. The title was Triology. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, I, I think that I, uh, I I'm guilty of pretty much uh, nothing too nothing too bad. Um, probably most of the Street Fighter Two uh, cast of characters, though. Also, I, I called uh, it was Ryu forever. Uh, you know, was it Blanca? Was it Blanca? Uh, I, I I called the fellow Saget all the time. Um, just you know, I'd heard the name Bob Saget before. This looked <laughs> this looked very similar. Uh, the two could not be further removed from one another. Uh, but he was just Saget from there on out. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of like smaller ones here and there. Nothing I'm uh, like uh, mortified over that I had mispronounced for so long. But I'm also reminded of of someone else. My son, uh, the the Mario Brothers villain Bowser. My son constantly at a young age would refer to as browser uh, much like your your internet browser and it just uh and i had to toe the line because we're, we're still dealing with a, a small human being that <laughs> you know that wasn't quite reading yet i uh, was just you know still you know just in kindergarten or so or actually before uh Still working on language skills, do, still doing all that, and uh, he wasn't too into the game, so I had to toe the line and really hold the fury in every time I heard it, and it, it just grew every time. And I, I found out eventually, you know, he was like eight or nine, and still, oh, still calling him browser. <laughs> I, I, but I eventually had found out at some point in time he had learned just how much it bothered me. So who knows for how many years. And I'm very impressed because, like I said, he was young. He was able to concoct a, a devious plan to just continue calling him browser just to make me angry. 
and uh, I don't know if I appreciate it or if I'm just, I, I don't know. I think I'm starting to get slightly angry thinking about it now. And you uh, didn't put him up for adoption. I mean, I, that's. And I, I didn't even do it when he referred to Assassin's Creed as Assassin's Cred. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even do it then. Uh, the strength of a father's love, I guess. These are all amazing alternate universe uh, video game titles. But I'm going to tell you, he wouldn't say triology. I, I raised him better than that. <laughs> after the after the second person did it, I was like, perhaps everyone doesn't know what this word means. This is amazing. And yeah, I, it was definitely a, a large number of people came looking for Mortal Kombat 4 triology. Hmm. I guess for me, the, the one that, that actually stayed with me up until just a few years ago uh, was Legend of Kage for any for the NES and the arcade game. I always called it Legend of Cage. It's spelled an A G E. Now, as a kid, you see that you know that the most uh, the closest thing to reference is Cage. So I always called that thing Legend of Cage all the way up until I think three years ago when it was featured on some sort of a YouTube video that I was watching about retro retro games, it came up and I was like, Oh, that's you know, legend of cage. I know that. And and the, the guy that was playing, it was like, and here we see legend of Kage. And I just kind of sat there because I realized for a good 33 years, I've been pronouncing this thing as legend of cage to people. And I don't know if they just didn't know, or or what, but um, no one has ever corrected me on that one. So I don't know if it's like a really long running joke with me uh, of just people seeing how long I can go to mispronounce that game uh, or, you know, just most people didn't know it. I mean, what I, I know it was a fairly popular NES game back in the day. Did you guys say Cage or did you know better? I said Cage. I said Cage also. You're not alone. I think just a lot of people said Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden. You know, it's just, it was, we didn't have the reference points we have now. We just had the words that were laid out on that box. You know, we didn't know how things were pronounced. Well, going back to to Billy's comment about his son, my son now, who's four, you know, when you turn on Super Mario Maker, it says Super Mario Maker, like a crowd. But I don't know how he misheard this. He keeps screaming he wants to watch me play Super Mario Anko. (laughs) (laughs) wait what (laughs) super mario anko anka anko well he's four i mean Uh, and it i mean i can hear where he heard that but it's just it took me forever to figure out what he was even saying i was like what is super mario anko he's like yeah super mario anko dad i'm like uh i i I think that makes sense i mean for like what we had to listen to back in the day uh, for those very primitive uh sounds and the way uh, a lot of those games didn't change the Japanese voice over to to an English speaker you know there were a lot of um r's that were l's to us for games you know it's <laughs> a lot of that stuff was not changed for for our audience it was just a a, a bad Japanese pronunciation of it so that's what we went with and I'm going to warn you, if he's still doing that four or five years from now, it, it, it's probably on purpose. No, I guarantee it's on purpose. His whole point in life <laughs> is to irritate me, so I guarantee that he will do that. So what is All our right, second so question? We've got, uh, we've got one more question here. And uh, Daniel writes in to ask, Hey guys, nice podcast. Enjoy listening to it when I get the chance. 
That's like the nicest comment we've ever got. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a super generic question that any old gaming podcast should be able to answer, and that is what secret codes from old games were your favorites from the ancient days of our youth? Yes, even Game Genie codes count if it made the game more enjoyable. Uh, well, you know, I, I would use the Game Genie code from this, but it did not make the game more enjoyable. <laughs> Um, I, I, I remember, I mean, there, there's the classics, you know, the, the Konami code, I think is, uh, one, uh, probably the first I recall putting in, but my favorite, uh, was Sonic two. There was a, a debug mode for it. And I think, I believe from what I recall, you had to go into the sound test. If you played a certain number of, if you played certain tracks in a certain order, uh, there was a, not only a level select, uh, but also, you could kind of make your own stages, like a very primitive uh, stage maker. You could take pretty much any item in the game, any enemy in the game, and in the pre-existing stage, whatever stage you selected, and you could place them around. Uh, it really didn't change a lot. Um, you couldn't play through the game in that manner. But I, I, it was the first experience I had with that, where you kind of were able to just very, very roughly make your own level and i i think that's still probably one of my favorites i didn't even know that existed it's there it's there for you uh if you can pull yourself away from bayou billy i mean does it give you every single like you you can go into a stage and and put stuff in it just you know kind of like mario maker yeah i mean you can drop uh you know the boxes the power-up boxes uh the you put rings wherever you want i think yeah i'm fairly certain they had the, the full round of uh, enemies also i think you could sit them uh wherever you wanted and then just kind of kind of play through i remember it kind of being a little bit broken though if you try to put uh certain things on certain stages or if you put too much uh but yeah i think it's uh hey if you if you never have it's it's you know pretty interesting huh. to go through and do i guess for me the i mean the one i uh, you know clearly the konami code uh, the code to get to mike tyson uh, which I'll remember for no yeah. good reason forever. Zero zero seven three six three five nine six three. In case you're playing Mike Tyson's Punch Out, uh, Justin Bailey on Metroid was a good one because it would let you start and look like Girl Metroid or Girl uh, Samus. But the 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 one I and I can't remember what the actual code is, which means I guess maybe this isn't the most memorable. But what it did was cool on the Turbo Graphics sixteen. I know you guys are big fans when I talk about the Turbo Graphics sixteen. But uh, when they put out the Super CD that came with a disc that had Gate of Thunder bonk and bonk's revenge if you were at the main screen let you pick which game and you put in it was a very short code like up down left up two or something it would make a, a quick like sound and all of a sudden it would load up Bomberman, and you get the full entire version of Bomberman, uh free unlockable on the disc i thought that was much wow. cooler than any other you know, the fact that you got Bomberman better than all three of those games anyway uh was a, a free unlockable game Bomberman's a great game so mm-hmm. that, that was probably my favorite unlockable code that was just something that was like as soon as you knew it you're like oh yeah yeah up down left right two there you go Bomberman. Oh. I guess, uh, you know, I don't really have anything like uh, favorites or, or anything that made games more fun. I think for me back then, it was uh, just the act of, of finding those codes and doing them. It was kind of like, you know, you'd, you'd see them in a magazine or something. And it was like a, a modern day kind of treasure hunt. And some of those were kind of ridiculous. You know, you had to have you couldn't do it with controller one. You had to plug the controller on the NES anyway. This is what I remember. You had to plug the NES controller into port two uh, to to input the code, some of the code, and then you had to plug it back into port one if you didn't have a second controller. 
and then put the rest in to make the code work. And a lot of those were, were fairly complicated for those for those back in the day. And you had to do them in, in fairly, you know, pretty quick to make them work. You know, it just wasn't like, you know, like up, down, left, right. I mean, you had to fucking be on your game to make a lot of those things work. And when you did, you felt like you fucking found something special even if it is just like a, a music test or a sound test or something like that. But it was something that wasn't there before. And I always loved kind of uh, the uh, the code section in, in magazines, just uh, browsing those to see what people had found because, of course, we didn't have internet back then because we were all horrible cavemen that didn't have anything modern. And that was really our only way of finding a lot of that stuff uh, was, was through magazines and hearsay. And I think it all came to a head uh, back in the the Mortal Kombat two days, uh, when you know we play that, there was tons, tons, and tons of secrets in Mortal Kombat two, and you you know you go to go to school every day. I was in high school when it came out, and it's it seemed like every every day in in the homeroom somebody had found some super secret thing in Mortal Kombat two that no one had ever seen, uh, including nudalities and and all this other shit that obviously never existed, but. That you never knew if they were serious or not about what they were, what they found. Because I mean, like I said, we didn't have internet, so we didn't know, you know. So we'd be there at the end of, you know, we go to the arcade after school, trying to do these stupid fucking codes to do a nudality with Sonya, and of course it didn't work. But it was, it was the act of doing it, and and just how enjoyable it was back then. So I think that was my favorite thing about secret codes. Then it's it's not that they really ever brought me any more enjoyment out of the game it was just that there was there was something buried in those games that you couldn't find otherwise unless you dug it out yourself so if you have a question for us please send it and if you're looking for other gaming content before our next episode on skull monkeys please check us out at retrovania.net for videos and articles and until then i wait that didn't make any sense and we'll see you next time (laughs) 